0: Well, we've been looking at uh, the stories that Jesus told, and we're doing that for um, a couple more weeks. And uh, Jesus was a famous storyteller. You've probably heard some of his stories, even if, even if you didn't know they were his, the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son. These are some of the ideas that even just as a culture, we know a lot of the ideas that are from the stories that Jesus told. And, and tonight, we're gonna look at a story that Jesus tells that has to do with uh, bu- building our lives, And all of us are looking to build a life of some sort. And maybe that's not the way we normally think about it, but we're all building a life for ourselves, right? Um, We're all seeking to establish a life of quality, a good life, a healthy life, a fun life, a happy life, a successful life, however you would describe it or however you would um, think through it. We're all seeking to build a life. And a lot of times I think it's easy to... Uh, understand that of, okay, we're working towards something, we're building something. If you think back to school, and maybe some of you are still in school, but you from, I don't know, from five years old on, you start kindergarten, and you're working towards first grade, and then second grade, and third grade, and then fourth grade, and then you get to junior high, and there's always kind of this, okay, I'm working towards something, I'm building something, and then High school, okay. I'm building something, trying to get to college, and I'm working towards things and building things. Then maybe college, you're trying to get to grad school, or you're trying to do something in order to get a good job, and or maybe you didn't even go to college. And so, it's just what, what can I do to build my career? That there's a lot of times it's easy to think through if you think about schooling that we're building something but that doesn't stop when school is done it doesn't stop once you get a job it doesn't i mean we always kind of have this impulse of i'm seeking to build a life i'm seeking to establish a life and and jesus talks about this today that we all are trying to build a life there's some destination that we're trying to get to or some picture in our minds of what a good life would look like maybe that's the way to think about it i mean if you think about 10 years from now or 20 years from now what's that picture of life that you would hope would be there. And a lot of our decisions and a lot of our energy goes towards building that life, goes towards how can I get to this picture of the future? How can I build my life in such a way that it goes in that direction? So this is what Jesus talks about tonight. And we all want to not just build a life, but want to build a good life, Want to build a life that actually lasts because we all know that life has all sorts of things that happen to it. So how can we build a life so that it endures? How can we build a life knowing that I've actually built something good versus, okay, I built it, but man, I don't really like it. I don't really actually want it anymore. How can we build something that's good and how can we build something that lasts? And this is what Jesus talks about tonight and he helps us to see how oftentimes, oftentimes, we think we're building something good and we're not. How to actually build a good life. And, and what are some of the things that we can test to see how and if we are building the kind of life that will last. So this is what Jesus talks about tonight. And if you grew up in the church, you've probably uh, sang a song related to this about two different builders. And I will uh, read the story that Jesus tells. And, and here's... Um, he, the first part is, is the beginning that led into him telling this story. And this is from Matthew seven twenty one through 27. And here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So here's what we see in this story that that Jesus tells. There's two different builders, right? There's two different guys that that are going to build a house. And, And when he talks about a house, that's a way to think about just our lives. It's a way to think about our lives, our identities. Jesus isn't actually giving us a a literal construction story. He's talking about our, our lives, our identities, and there's two different builders in this story. Two different builders, and they have a lot in common, right? I mean, both of them have a desire to build a house. They both have a desire, and Jesus is, again, speaking to us. They both have a desire to build a life. They both have this picture in their mind of a house. Wouldn't it be beautiful to have this great house? On the beach, apparently, or the river. Wouldn't it be great to have this beautiful house? And everybody has the same desire. So both of these guys have this passion, this desire. Just like I said earlier, we all in this room have a desire. I want to build a life. And both of them get to work. That's a lot of work. I've never built a house, but I've built some big IKEA things. And it takes a lot of work, right? I imagine building a house is a a lot more work. I imagine, maybe not. Some Ikea things, they're very very dangerous. But they both put a lot of work into it, right? I mean, to build a house, that takes a lot of work. So you've got both of these guys that have this desire to build a life, a desire to build a, a quality life, and they put a lot of work into it. And so for many of us, you have a picture in your mind of this is what I hope life looks like, this is what I hope life could be, happiness, success, family, marriage, safety, security, comfort, relaxation, retirement, whatever it might be, I'm trying to work towards building this life. And a lot of people put a lot of work into it, just like building a house, put a lot of work into it. And both of them do this. So both of them have a desire, both of them put a lot of work into it. And when when it gets finished, if you were driving by or cameling by and you saw these houses they look the same, right? I mean, there's nothing that says one house looked horrible and the other house looked great. I mean, they, they look the same. So you got two houses, two lives, two lives that have been built that both look good. Two lives that have been built that from the outside both look great. So this is what Jesus is setting up for the story. And yet what Jesus says is though both people, both people, listen to this, both people with passion and desire to build a life both people with hard work to build a life, and both people on the outside, the life looks good, one of those lives crumbles. One of those lives, all the passion to build a great life was wasted. One of those lives, all all the work to build a good life, they built it, but it ended up being like the Titanic. I mean, it sank. So you've got these two different people What's what's the difference then? What's the difference? What what happened? What's the difference between the two builders? Because Jesus is telling this, again, not just as an interesting construction story, but for us to think about, man, we all want to build a life. So what is it that he's trying to communicate to us? What is it that Jesus is trying to, to tell me, to help me with? What's the difference between the two builders? And And here's what's really important to see. It's not what you might think it is. It's not how we often would think of one builder and another builder. One guy's a good guy and one guy's a bad guy. See, this story comes after the paragraph that I read. Before it. Where Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. See, Jesus doesn't say the... the, the, the builder on the rock, that's the good guy. And the builder on the sand, that's the bad guy. So there's some people that, this is, this is what traditional wisdom is. There's some people that live good lives and there's some people that live bad lives. If you live a bad life, your house is gonna crumble. You live a good life, your house is gonna be great. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Because who is who is the person building on the sand? Listen, this is really interesting because in the, the paragraph before, if you have your Bible open, you can look at it. But if not, I'm just going to read it again. Here, here's, the paragraph, here's the paragraph before. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, he's talking about the final day, the judgment day. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So here's what Jesus says. There's two groups of people. Two groups of people. The bad group of people, the sand group of people, the sand men, what what, what do they do? They come to Jesus and they say, Lord, Lord. So this is interesting, right? Jesus says, you want to know who the bad guys are? Or you want to know who the sand, you want to know the, the house of sand? They're the ones that come to me and say, Lord, Lord. Anytime when you double up the language like that, it means it's a terms of endearment. You know, if you say to someone, um, if I say to my wife, Sarah, Sarah, I mean, that, that means, you know, it's a term of endearment. My mom says to me, Caleb, Caleb, maybe she's about to, pity me or something, but probably it's a term of endearment, right? You, I mean, it's, it's definitely that's how the language was back then, but even today when we do that, it shows there, there's some sort of uh, endearment. Jesus on the cross cries out to God and says, my God, my God. Like there's, there's, there's double language. So these people come to Jesus and they, they say, Lord, Lord. So there's this terms of endearment. And, and what else? They come to him and what do they say? They say, hey, didn't we didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? I mean, what is all that? They're saying, didn't we do all the good things? Didn't we do ministry? Didn't, I mean, so, I mean, to me, that's an impressive resume. Didn't we do mighty works, prophesy, and casting out demons, right? Right? Like, anyone cast out a demon this weekend? Don't, don't raise your hand. But, I mean, anyone prophesy this weekend? Anyone do mighty works this weekend? I mean, maybe you did, and that's great. And these guys, that's what they did. And they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, Lord. We prophesied. We cast out demons. And we did mighty works. They say, we did ministry. We did ministry. And we know you're the Lord. You're the Lord, Lord. Better than just being the Lord, right? So that's what they say. That's what they come to him and say. And then Jesus says, but this is what I say to you then. This is like building your house on the sand. So what is going on? Because doesn't that seem like that's building your house on the rock? Coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, Lord, and doing a lot of great things? I mean, doesn't that seem like rock building? Why is that sand? Because both of these people are doing good things. Both of these people are coming to Jesus. What's the difference between them? What does it actually mean to build on the rock? What does it mean to build on the rock if it's not what those guys said? What does it mean to build on the rock if it's not ministry? What does it mean to build on the rock if it's not coming to Jesus with terms of endearment and saying, Lord, Lord? I mean, what does it mean to build on the rock then? Because Jesus says there's people that build on the sand and there's people that build on the rock. He says we're all trying to build our lives and on the outside, they can look the same. You can put just as much energy and just as much work and just as much passion and just as much desire and yet the people that build on the sand call me Lord, Lord. The people that build on the sand have done a bunch of great things. So what does it mean to build on the rock? Because Christians will do the kinds of things that Jesus described. I mean, a good Christian will do ministry. A good Christian will come to Jesus and call him Lord, Lord, right? So Jesus isn't saying those are bad things. Don't call me Lord, Lord. So What does it mean then? What does it mean to to build on the rock? And here's what Jesus says. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus says, this is what it means to build your house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. But, But what does that mean? What does it mean to, because don't you think that those guys, I mean, they said, we, we did what you said. We believe you're the Lord, Lord. We believe you're the Lord, Lord. I don't know how they said it, okay? We believe you're the Lord. And we did these things. We did what you said. So Jesus says that the wise man is the one that hears his words and does them. But I got to think, those guys, they think that they did what he said, right? So what does it mean to, when Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, what does it mean to hear his words and do them? What does that mean? Because maybe it's not as simple as, as it first looks, since those people would have said, yeah, we, we did them. That's what they come to him and say. We did what you said. So it has to mean something beyond just that. So what does it mean? Well, the only way to understand it is to understand this story comes at the end of a sermon. So if you've uh, been around the church or maybe even just heard about Jesus, um, this comes from his most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew chapter 5 and it goes a couple chapters. And so this is a whole sermon that Jesus does, and then the very end of it, he tells this story. And the whole sermon is really about two different types of doing. So Jesus says this, okay? Whoever hears my words and does them is like the one that builds his house on the rock. And yet, he also says that people that do what I say can be like people that are building their house on the sand. But see, the whole sermon that he just gave is about two different kinds of doing, two different kinds of doing. There's two different ways to do, to hear Jesus' words and do them. See, in the Sermon on the Mount, we see that Jesus says things like, uh, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. So that's a kind of doing, right? You have heard that it was said, do not cheat on your spouse. You have heard that it was said, be faithful to your spouse. And so some people would come to Jesus and say, okay, I did it. Done. I mean, that's, you know, that might be a little difficult to do, but it's doable, right? Like you can go, okay, don't cheat on my spouse. But then Jesus says this. He says, you've heard it was said, don't don't commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever lusts, whoever has a desire for another woman, whoever looks longingly at another woman, I say to you, they're guilty. See, now that drops it deeper, right? Or Jesus says this. He says, many of you, many of you people think you're really loving people. Many of you, if you have a friend, they go, man, this person, I love to be around them. They like me. I like them. We have fun. I like this person. This is great. He says, many of you, you're you're a good person to be around. You've got friends, and they think you're awesome. And he says, but everybody loves those that love them. I say to you, love your enemies. See, there's a different, he's dropping it deeper to a different type of doing. There's a doing that says, okay, no adultery, love people like me. And Jesus says, no, no lust. And Jesus says, no, love your enemies. Love those that are different from you. Or here's another one. Jesus comes and says, look, you've heard it was said, don't murder. Right? So, again, most of us, I mean, I don't know everybody's story, so maybe not, but I know most of you, you would probably say, I've never murdered anyone. Right? Right? If you can't say that, that's okay, but... But most people would say, I've I've never murdered anyone. Okay, so I, I get to check that one off the list. Don't cheat on my wife. Don't murder people. And be nice to people that are nice to me. But Jesus says, look, I know that you've heard it was said, don't murder. But this is what I say to you. I say to you, whoever is angry at his brother is guilty of hellfire. I say to you, whoever insults his brother. See, this is interesting because I grew up in a Christian family and um, we weren't allowed to cuss. And um, there'd be times that I would look at my brother and if you've got a brother, that's a really hard thing not to do to cuss, right? So an older brother and a young, I'm a middle child. So, I mean, it's very hard not to cuss if, you've got, if you're the middle child. And you've got brothers that you want to say words to, Right? You want to say words to them. You want to say, you're a something, okay? And instead, because you're a good Christian, you say, you're a jerk. And thank you. I don't get in trouble, right? Nothing goes in the jar, no time out, because I controlled my tongue as a good Christian and only called him a jerk. Or because jerk, you know, starts to lose its power, you have to invent words, I won't even go through all those, but a lot of times they're worse than the cuss words. Because we're good Christians, so we invent new words to insult each other. And Jesus is dealing with that kind of thing. He says, look, you, you've heard it was said not to murder. But I say to you, what's going on in your heart? I say to you, maybe you're not going to kill somebody, but the same seed of anger there that looks at someone and wants to tear them apart. I say to you, not just don't murder, but that same seed of you that if you could absolutely get away with it, but instead just insults, that is what I'm looking at. See, over and over again in, these, in this most famous sermon of Jesus, he's talking about two different kinds of doing. He even talks about people that give to the poor and people that pray. See, there's people that pray and he says, look, you pray. You go all out in your prayers, but why do you do them? to be seen. You want people to see you. You want people to go, man, that guy knows how to pray. Man, that person is so spiritually mature. He says, there's some of you that that give to the poor, which is great, right? Like Jesus is not against giving to the poor. He says, some of you give to the poor. You do it. You give to the poor, and when you do it, you come with trumpets. That way you can be seen. That way people look at you and go, you are respectable, you are mature, you are godly. And they say, yes, boop, boop, boop. I'm doing this. Sorry, that's the best I could do. They say, yes, I'm doing this to be an example. I'm doing this to be an example, which means I'm doing this so that you would all would see me. And know how great I am. And so Jesus says, yes, giving to the poor is good. And yes, praying is good. But you're doing them to be seen. You're doing them for credit. You're doing them for honor. You're doing them for glory. See, there's two different kinds of doing that Jesus is talking about all throughout this sermon. People that do things to get credit. People that do things to be seen and people that do things but really try to get away from the heart. Okay, I won't murder. I won't do adultery. I'll love people that love me. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to not just get you to do these behaviors. I'm trying to get at your heart. Over and over and over again, I'm trying to say what's happening in your heart. I'm trying to get down beyond appearances, beyond just physical actions. I'm trying to get all the way inside and say what's happening in your heart. Who are you? So there's different kinds of doing. See, this is what we have to ask ourselves. I mean, the first question is, do I do do what Jesus says? I mean, because he says that there's these two builders and they both hear his word. But he says, it's the doing. So the first question we have to ask ourselves is, do I do what Jesus says? But then we have to ask this, why do I do it? So maybe you prize yourself at going, I don't do adultery and I don't murder and I don't Covet, and I don't. I obey the Ten Commandments, and I'm a good person, and I and I and I give to the poor, and I pray, and okay. Do you do that with joy? Like, is there joy in that, or is it burdensome? Is it heavy? Is it a load? Is it a duty only? And if so, you have to say why. Why is it so burdensome to obey a God that loves me, cares for me? Or, or you have to ask this. Are you trying to do the minimum, looking for the loopholes, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount? You heard it was said, don't murder, but I say, what's happening in your heart? You heard it was said, no adultery, but I say, what's happening in your heart? You heard it was said, don't cuss, but I say, don't call your brother a freaking jerk with anger in your eyes. See, it's a heart. What's going on in the heart? So we have to ask ourselves, okay, not just am I doing what Jesus says kind of on the surface, but is, am I looking for loopholes or am I trying to do what Jesus says? You see, there's a different posture from, okay, so do I, am I good? Am I good? Like, I mean, here's the thing. When you do your taxes, you are trying to get away with the minimum, right? I mean, there's whole programs and peep, get your billions back, right? There's whole things. to How can I give as little as possible? Where's the loopholes? What's the, you know, within all legality, how can I give as little as possible? And that's okay with taxes. But if we have that approach to God, Jesus says, what's going on in your heart that that's how we're relating? What's going on in your heart that when I speak and say, don't, do, don't, don't commit adultery, that you go, sweet. As long as I don't sleep with another man or another woman, I'm good. And Jesus goes, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something so much deeper than that. So we have to ask ourselves that. Do, do, I, do I actually listen to what Jesus says? Do I obey what Jesus says? Is it joyful? Am I just trying to do the minimum? Or am I actually trying to say, how can I I obey? That's a different question, right? How can I obey him? We have to ask ourselves that. and, And we have to ask ourselves, do I only do what I like? See, another way that we don't do what Jesus says is, He speaks things and we go, okay, I like chapter five, but not chapter six. And then we have to ask ourselves, am I doing it for me? Am I doing it for me? Am I praying and giving to the poor and being a good Christian for me? Am I doing it to be seen? Am I doing it so people respect me? Am I doing it so people applaud me? Am I doing it so life goes well for me? Am I doing it for me? It's a good question to ask, right? See, Jesus says there's two kinds of doing. The sandman and the rockman are not the good people and the bad people. he's, He's talking to people that are both in some way doing what he says. But he says there's a deeper kind of doing. So here, here's here's what I'm saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's not just hearing. Okay, that's the first thing. A lot of people think, yeah, I'm a good Christian, I'm a faithful Christian, I'm a mature Christian, because I've heard a lot of stuff. I've read books, I go to church and listen to sermons, I I've heard a lot. Jesus says, It's not just hearing, it's doing. But then he says, it's not just doing, it's a particular kind of doing. And it's not even just a kind of doing, like, okay, i got to do more. It's a kind of doing that is coming to Jesus and saying, my whole life is yours. Like, my life belongs to you. You're your king, and I trust you, and I love you. And that's why Jesus, when he connects it, see, this is interesting. I'll, I'll read this again. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. So he says, not everyone that just comes to me and says, Lord, Lord, but only the one that does the will of my Father. But then, but then when you go down, he says, Lord, Lord, did, did we all not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will to declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, Jesus connects doing the will of my father with, I never knew you. Because there's a kind of doing that's not just this superficial surface level doing. There's a kind of doing that's a doing that is so much, you are the king, command me, my life is yours, that it's it's more than a doing, it's a knowing. And that's why what, what Jesus says to them at the end is, I, I don't even know who you are. He doesn't say to them, hey, you didn't do enough. He says, I don't know you, I don't know you, because there's a kind of doing that reveals that there's a relationship with Jesus, where he is not just the guy we're taking kind of, he's not just the tax, he's not just the government, but he's, he's a savior, he's the king that we're in relationship with, where we, where we say, I want to do whatever you say, my life is yours, So he would say, yeah, you've done the will of my father. And yeah, I know you. That's why they're connected so intimately. I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. See, they're connected. There's a kind of doing that is from the heart that says, I know you. I know you. And so I want to do whatever you say. My life belongs to you. So how do we know? How do we know? How do we know what our foundation is? Jesus says that there's the sand foundation and the rock foundation. And how do we know? Because on the outside, they both appear good, right? You got two houses that have been built, two builders that passionately were trying to build a life. And this is us. We're trying to build a life. How do we know what our foundation is? How do we know? how do we know if our foundation is sand or how do we know if our foundation is rock? How do we know if we have a foundation that's actually a wise foundation or a foolish foundation? And here's what Jesus says. We don't know until difficulty happens. We don't know until things get hard, until rain, floods, And wind come. So you got these two beautiful houses, right? But it's not until the rain starts pouring, and the hail starts coming, and the flood starts crashing, and the wind starts shattering things. It's not until then that you know what kind of what kind of foundation do I have. Now here's what's interesting and hopefully encouraging to some of you. And Jesus says, this happens to both houses. See, sometimes, and, and let me just help you if this is where you're at in life, sometimes we can think, why is so many things in my life going wrong? Now, we can bring a lot of things down on ourselves, right? We can make stupid decisions, and then life goes wrong. We can be rude to people and mean to people, and then no one likes us. We, so I'm not talking about a false victimization, but... Jesus says that the rain and the wind and the floods comes to both houses, right? So this is different from what some people say. Some people would say, if you love Jesus, and Jesus is your friend, and if you do what he says, life will go great. And Jesus says, no, it won't. Jesus says, the wise man who builds his house on the rock, the person that does whatever I say, they get flooded, they get tornadoes, they get hail, and the person that doesn't do anything I say and does whatever they want, they get floods, and they get rain, and they get tornadoes. See, so if you're suffering and you're going through hard things in your life or tragedy or or people sinning against you, and maybe you've thought, what is going on, God? I've tried to obey you. I've tried to do these things. I've tried to. Jesus says it comes to both. It comes to both. And I just have to tell you that. like, If you, if you are someone following Jesus, floods are going to come against you. Rain is going to come against you. Hurricanes are going to come against you. It's going to happen. Jesus says it'll happen to those that are wise and foolish. Now maybe that is discouraging because, wait a minute, I can't get out of it? But we live in a world with rain and floods and hurricanes. And that's what Jesus says. So sometimes we've been told that lie and it isn't true. But the test is this, what happens with difficulty? When the test comes, that's when you see what the foundation is. So let me ask you, when, when difficulty comes into your life, what happens? Does it feel like your world is completely caving in? Do you cave in? When difficult, so when people criticize, I mean, think about this in different ways, okay? It could be big, giant things, it could just be whatever happened yesterday, when people criticize you, does that so knock over your house because you've been on a weak foundation? When the life you're trying to build, okay, whatever that means for you, the job you're trying to have, the spouse you're trying to have, the friends you're trying to have, the, the, um, the happiness just in general you're trying to have, when, when you're trying to have that and then something threatens that, something comes against that, what happens? Does everything crumble? Do you, do you just get destroyed? Do you then turn away from God? What happens when things don't go how you're trying to make them go? What happens when things don't go the way you hoped they would go? The life that you're building, all of a sudden, it seems like everything's attacking it. See, because you've built this house, right? And now you're standing. So think about this. You've spent a lot of energy, time, and money building this house, and now you're sitting in it, and you look out the window, and there's a flood coming. So everything you've built is being threatened. What happens when what you're trying to build in life gets threatened? What happens? Is it deep sorrow, despair, anger, complaining, negativity? I'm going to do it my own way. If so, Jesus says, that's the test that helps you know what the foundation's on. That's the test that helps you know what the foundation is on. And so, here's 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 what I would say to you: If if the winds and the rain and the, the floods have come against you, and you go, this is hard, but my house is standing. Here's what you found to be true: Jesus is faithful. Because you spent time building your foundation on Him, and then you go, "Yeah, life has been hard, and it's been difficult, and suffering has come my way, or people have come against me." But you know what? I'm standing. And so, if that's where you are, if that's what you've maybe you're there now, or maybe you've experienced that in the past, it's 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 actually a really cool experience because you go, "Oh my, wow! He came through. I can I, my house. It's still standing." He's a strong foundation. There's a hymn about Jesus in times of suffering called How Firm a Foundation. Because you've seen, the winds came and Jesus, he's strong. and This was a good foundation. So that's where you're at, man. I would just encourage you. isn't, Isn't that great that he's proved himself to you? But if you look at life, And you feel the winds and you feel the rains or or when that happens, either on a big scale or like I said, just whatever happened this weekend and stuff was threatening the life you're building. Or the day, you know, think about it even in smaller terms, the day you were trying to build, the week you were trying to build. When when things came against it, if it crumbled, here's, here's what you should do. You should go, ah, my foundation, it's been on sand. It's been on sand. And, and you know, may, maybe the whole thing is on sand, but, but maybe it's this room of the house is on sand, you know? Because there's parts of our life where it feels like, whoa, it fell through right there. What was going on? Because the winds come and the rain comes and the floods come. And if you see, wait a minute, it feels like everything's crumbling. Don't just, don't let that just lead you into more despair. Go, Oh, man. I've been building on sand. I've been building on sand. Maybe even I've thought I was building on rock because I'm doing what you said. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not murdering anyone. I'm building on the rock. No, it's it's been this superficial, how can I get by? It's been this joyless duty. It hasn't been, I'm giving you my life. My heart is yours from the inside out. So when you feel those things coming at you, here's the thing. This is just a short little story, right? So the guy in the story, he doesn't have a chance. Comes, boom, gone, right? But we can read the story because Jesus is trying to teach us something. And we can go, oh, wait a minute. It's starting to feel like that. So I can use that as a diagnostic to go, God, help me instead. I need my foundation on you. I need my foundation on you, and I've built it on other things. I've built it even on a a doing that is a a fake doing, a doing that's for me, or joyless, or just burdensome. How do we know what our foundation is on? Because both appear good. We only know when the test comes, right? Right? when tragedy, when difficulty, when when unexpected things come. That's when we know. And we can use that to either go, man, Jesus is a good foundation, thank you. Or we can use it and go, man, I've got sand everywhere. Finally, is this. How can we build this foundation? Because if you're not a Christian or maybe just not even sure what you believe, we're all trying to build a life, right? And we all want a life that lasts, that endures. I mean, that, 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 um, that metaphor of a house that can survive anything, I mean, everybody wants that, right? I mean, that's not a, a Jesus idea. Everyone wants a house that can last no matter what comes against it. That's something we all long for. That's something we all desire to have. We all desire to build a life and to have it be quality and to have it be able to endure the hard times. I mean, that's, that's something everybody wants. And often, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, we, we can have a belief in God, but it's not really the foundation. Even as Christians, we can do things Jesus says and um, you know, come to church and give to the poor and pray and do some of the things, but it's not really the foundation. So how do we build a foundation? Because it's something that we all want something we all want. And Jesus, you know, it's interesting because everybody thinks Jesus is such a nice guy today. You know, people think, man, Jesus is so nice. But all of his stories are really offensive. They're all really offensive. For I mean, he, he does it to offend, to help challenge us. To, I mean, all of his stories are meant to reorient us to think about things differently. Because, pe- so, you know, in some kind of like romantic movie type things, either the boyfriend or the girlfriend, they will do something. So they, so they start dating, okay, bear with me. They start dating, and then um, they're getting close, and then one of them is like, I'm going to start doing a bunch of bad things. Because, why, why do they do that? They do it because they, they want to tell the other person, I'm not right for you, see? You know, so they, they try to like intentionally sabotage it. Have you seen these movies? It's like every movie, right? So they intentionally sabotage it uh, that way that, you know, the other person sees how bad they are. That way they, would, they will leave them. That's what Jesus does, okay? So people start to like Jesus, and they're, like, interested. And so then he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you a story. You, you, get ready. Here it comes. You're building on your house on sand. I mean, think about what Jesus says here. I want to show you the offensiveness of what he says. Because he says... Everything else that you would build your life on, it's as stupid as someone building a house on sand. Look, this wasn't a popular idea. There wasn't people that actually built their houses on rock and some that built their houses on sand, right? I mean, that wasn't like, oh yeah, I think I'm gonna build my house on the sand. That w- Jesus wasn't contrasting two real groups of people. He's saying it would be so stupid for you not to listen to me that it would be like building your house on the sand of the foolish man, I mean, that's what the guy's name is, right? So he's saying, it would be so dumb for you to build your life on anything else except for me. So dumb, like building your house on sand. So, so here's my point. Jesus is really offensive. He's really offensive. But why? Why would he be so offensive? Why would he be so rude to call anything else that we would make a foundation for a, for a life Books and opinions and just uh, intuition. Why would he say all of that is as dumb as building on sand? Why why is he trying to offend so much? Why? Because he wants you to have a strong foundation. Because he loves us. I mean, you got to see that. Like, don't hear this story and go... All right, Jesus just wants me to do what he says. Like, look at, look at what he's saying. He's saying, wind's going to come, and rain's going to come, and flood's going to come, and I want your life to stand. It's all going to come, and I want your life to stand. It's all going to come against you, and I want you to, I, so I want your marriage to last. And I want your family to last. And I want your joy to last. And I want, I want your, your, your peace to last. I mean, you got to picture Jesus saying, anywhere else you would look, it's going to crumble. But listen to me. He's compelling. I mean, you envision these two guys getting ready to build their lives, build their houses, and, and then this architect comes up. And he says, guys, build it on the rock. And he's compelling them because he knows. So there was an article um, in Westward this week about this crazy flood that like wiped Denver out in the 60s. I don't know if you read this or saw this or have heard about this. I'd never heard about it. But it basically, it was a crazy intense flood that came through the Platte River and Cherry Creek and it like destroyed everything it's the it's like one of the top um expensive natural disasters that have happened in the country and it cost i mean in in today's you know um dollars billions and uh and it and it really i mean because of it it d- d- really helped a lot of the redevelopment downtown because it wiped out so much stuff that then they rebuilt they moved elitch down there and they moved um Like, they built the Children's Museum and different things down there because of it. So there's some good things that came out of it. But what was interesting is they were saying down by the Platte River that the the Native Americans that had been there for, you know, ever, um, they they told them, don't build so close to the river. Don't build so close to the river because the foundations won't hold up. I mean, the river, so the people showed up to Denver and they're like, what we all do, it's sunny and it's beautiful. And there's no rain here. And they're used to the south and the, and the east coast and crazy rains. And they're like, this is, it's just sunny and amazing. They didn't know that sometimes it gets crazy, crazy, crazy rain and then flash flood wildness, right? So the Indians were like, trust us. We've been here a long time. Don't build so close to the river. But they didn't listen. And Jesus is like that. See, those good-willed Native American tribes were trying to compel the builders, not because they were just saying, do it our way, listen to us, we want to tell you what to do. They were saying, we want you to have a good foundation. We want it to last when the rains do come. And Jesus is doing the same thing. Like, why would he be so offensive? Why would he tell us what to do? Why he because he wants us to have a strong foundation because he loves us, because he cares for us. And he's not just a a Native American that has been here for thousands of years. He, He built us. He knows how life is supposed to be, right? He designed us. And he knows and he cares and he loves. And so he says, as you're building your life, listen to me. I'm for you. I'm not just trying to tell you what to do. I want you to have a strong foundation. So we just have to ask will we listen to him? And we always listen to those whose voices we believe have authority and know what they're talking about. Right? Like there's sometimes that you get in an argument with someone because you think they might know a little bit and you know a little bit and you both have you know some give and take. But if you really believe I don't know anything. Like, I went rock climbing once, and I listened to every word that person said because I did not want to die. Okay? And I was hooked into a little paperclip at the top of the rock, and it was horrible. But I listened to everything he said. Every word was gold to me. But if you and me are talking about how to move a, a heavy object or something, You know, whenever you move things, at least guys, you know, you're moving something down the stairs or how do we get it around this corner? You're going to give your opinion. I'm going to give my opinion. We'll try it your way. Then we'll try it my way. It'll be back and forth, give and take, because you're not the moving expert that all life hinges upon, but that's often how we treat God still. Like, okay, you tell me a little bit of things. I'll listen to this. Okay, I'll give you this opinion, this advice. Okay, but if we really believe I have no idea what I'm doing and you designed life then we go, so tell me what to do. And I want to do it because I know it's good for me because you want me to have a foundation. And that's what Jesus is saying. See, it's, it's good news. It's good news, isn't it, that there's someone that actually knows how life is designed? It's good news, isn't it, that there's someone that actually cares enough for us to tell us how to build our life? It's good news, isn't it, that someone actually says, hey, wind and rains and floods, they're going to come, and I want to help you I want to help you so that you endure through that. And see, it's not just that he has the authority to tell us that or that he cares. I mean, we see that on the cross, and that's what happens when we take communion. I mean, we, we, when we take communion, this is, what, this is what we should think about. I can trust him with my life. Because it's a scary thing to, to say, hey, tell me how to build my life, right? I mean, that's, we don't just do that to anybody. So Jesus says, I'm not just telling you how to build your life. I designed your life, and I gave you my life. So we can trust Jesus to know what we should do to build our life, because he said, I'm giving you my life. So this is the gospel. The gospel is that we, we don't deserve Jesus at all, that we've all sinned and deserved death. Deserve the rain and the floods and the wind to come and just destroy us and wipe us out. But the gospel is that Jesus said, Instead of you getting what you deserve, I'm going to go in your place. My life for your life. My death instead of your death. And I forgive you. And I love you. And I give you grace. Which means then, we go if he would give me his own life, can't I trust him to give him my life and say, obviously you love me. I want to know how you want me to build this thing. I mean, that's really good news to know that someone cares enough for you that they would say, I want to help you build your life. And so when you take communion, remember that. Remember how loving, how gracious Jesus is That he doesn't just tell you how to build your life, but he gave you his life. He gave you his life. He gave us his life, though we didn't deserve it. And therefore, we can entrust him with our lives. And then build our lives on a foundation that says, you're my king. I want to live whatever you say, because you're good and you love me and you care for me. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you that you would give us your life. Thank you that you would send Jesus to us. God, thank you that um, that you love us enough to, to call us back to you over and over and over again. And Father, um, I know that Winds and floods and rains will come to every person in this room, and you've told us they will. And some may be feeling that right now. They may be feeling the breeze in their hair, and they may be feeling the water rising. They may be feeling all sorts of Storms. And God, I ask that you would use those things to either encourage us to know that you are who you say you are and we've been able to last because of you as a foundation or God that you would use it to help us see where we've been building on sand. But thank you, God, that you're so gracious that you don't say, ha ha, you've been building on sand, but that you say, yeah, and that's why I died for you. I died for you because you build your life on all sorts of other things instead of me. And you call us back because you love us because you're the one that is the author of life that built us, that wants good for us. So Lord, help us to see that. Help us to see that you're not trying to take from us, but you're trying to build us. You're not trying to steal from us, but you're trying to give to us life itself. Help us to see that, the good news. And help us, even as we sing, for those truths to go deeper into our hearts. You are the only foundation, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray.